Welcome to the Campbell Conversations. I'm Grant Reher. My guest today is Heather Morris. She's an actor, dancer, producer, and writer who is probably best known for her role as Brittany Pierce on the hit TV show Glee. She's here with me today to talk about her work as executive producer and writer for a podcast series titled The Bystanders, a dark comedy exploring the bystander effect, the notion that individuals are less likely to try to help a victim when they are in the presence of other strangers. The podcast is in its second season. Ms. Morris, welcome to the program. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Well, <laughs> we are glad to have you. So let me just start with a really basic question, uh, the bystander effect. How did you get the interest and in the idea to work on a podcast about this particular topic? So the bystander um, effect, obviously, is something that has been studied through psychology for since the 60s after the Kitty Genovese story. Um, and if you don't know, maybe go do some research. Um, and it's it's very tragic, but I know there's a couple documentaries that have since come out, um, you know, regarding how people felt like it was unsafe to do something. And so essentially the bystander effect, you know, the more people that are involved um, in an emergency, the less likely they are to help because everybody thinks somebody else is going to do it. And so I was getting my lashes done by my great friend, Jacqueline Hales, who was also one of the creators of the podcast. And so she was not even pitching me this concept, but she said her and Ash Lindsayan, who are both the creators, were were in the middle of writing this as a feature film. And the second she started talking about that idea that a woman gets murdered in her courtyard and nobody does anything, I was like instantly hooked. And I was like, Jacqueline, we have to make this. Um, and it's hard. This was maybe four years ago, but even since then, like, you know, the streaming, the streaming content is so saturated. And even for somebody like me, who's been on a Fox TV show and who you'd think would be like, oh, of course you can get a meeting and pitch this. Like, it's still so difficult. So I thought, what if we turn this into a scripted podcast? And this is something that we can basically do on our own. Like we have the the details at our fingertips and we can find a distributor and we did. Hmm. Okay. And so tell me how this podcast is structured. Uh, is it is it like a drama with characters? Is it set up a different way? Give us an idea of, of what it's like to listen to. So it's a dark comedy ensemble podcast. Um, we like to describe it as um, like a, a radio drama essentially it's like this 1940s feel because there is this wonderful musical score um made mm. by tori cummins um and it just guides you and glides you through this whole story uh it's an ensemble so there there are <clears throat> excuse me in each season because there's two seasons now there's roughly like seven to eight characters per season uh -huh. um and they're known as the bystanders um and yeah they are the first season, they were shorter episodes, but there was more of them. They were like 15 minutes to 18 minutes, and there was eight episodes. Um, season two, we kind of listened to the fans because all the comments on the reviews were like, we want this to be longer. So we did. We listened. We made them a little bit longer, and we released all of them at the same time because people want to binge it. You know, they want right. to hear it fast. Um, so we we've tried to be smart and listen to the fans. <laughs> <laughs> so you you read my mind at the beginning when you mentioned Kitty Genovese, because uh, what I, one of the questions I was going to ask you was about 
that case. And and mm -hmm. when people of my generation, who are much older than your generation, think of the bystander effect, that is often where their minds go, that famous case. And it was, uh, uh, as you said, a, a murder of, of Kitty Genovese uh, in New York City in 1964. She was raped and stabbed to death outside her apartment building. And supposedly, as reported by the New York Times at that time, a lot of people witnessed the murder, I think in excess of 30, and and didn't try to help or call the police. But you mentioned these documentaries that were made about it later. And, and one of the things that that they uncovered later the, is that that was actually contradicted that many of them did try to call the police and, and, and some of them, you know, did try to do things. They didn't go out there and stop it actually, obviously, but that, that particular murder led to this notion of the bystander effect. So obviously you, you looked at that case and I'm just wondering what, what you make of that particular case uh, in, in, in all of this. I don't know. I think because it was so vast and so outlandish, it was also in one of like the fastest, the quicker paced cities, you know, like there was so many eyes on this and it seemed, I think to, to many people, like the first of its kind mm -hmm. in this modern day world. I mean, obviously, you know, we're, we're not a new culture, but essentially America is, it felt like a very... American culture thing for all of mm. us like we just weren't exposed to things like this especially in like this urban jungle right um and so I think it was new and different and weird and so obviously the media does what they do and they shame people and so I think a lot of those people got shamed immediately because everybody's going well why did nobody do anything and that's what we like to explore in the podcast is like why didn't people get involved? There's so many reasons why somebody doesn't get involved. And some of the doc some of the reasons in the documentary was that she was a gay woman in the sixties and it was highly shunned upon. Mm. Um and I think some of that's valid. I I I don't I don't quite see it a hundred percent true because I think people did try to get involved, but it's it's the same thing that we're seeing now with people videoing on their phone, right? Like people are in the yes. middle of a subway and they see somebody getting raped and they start videotaping. And <clears throat> I think you have to retrain your brain sometimes because I'm watching these things back and I'm going, I can't believe nobody did anything. Like, what? But then <laughs> if you actually put yourself in that person's shoes, like, what would you do? What, how could you get involved if somebody has a gun or a knife in that, in their hand? So I don't know. There's a lot of speculation with that, that particular story, the Kitty Genovese story, but it's really hard because immediately those people got shamed. And um, I just don't think that that's true. I think the media likes to, to take things and run really quickly. You're listening to the Campbell Conversations on WRVO Public Media. I'm Grant Reher, and I'm speaking with Heather Morris, the actor and writer who has recently been working on the podcast titled The Bystanders. So you already got into this a little bit when you were talking about the Genovese case, but as you've gotten deeply into this and, and, and looked into the bystander effect and thought about it, what do you think are the most important things you've, you've learned about, about this problem? Um, well, so as we've discovered writing this, um, you know, like with these bystanders and creating these characters and like delving into reasons why they wouldn't we all we felt a deep 
almost like remorseful that we 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 shunned these characters into feeling bad and other people do and so when when we talk about stuff like that we are constantly trying to say well how can I get involved and instead of saying you're going to do something like really putting yourself out there in in the world and like making sure you are trying to do the best possible you can in situations like that um and even as a writer just exploring also like in the future seasons what it's going to be like when somebody does get involved you know like those people that do get involved and then they get in trouble or they get sued or whatever happens from there um so there's just so many reasons and and not to like point the finger yeah i want to get into actually two things that you just brought up but i want to do it a little bit later i have some other questions i wanted to ask first one of them is you described this podcast as a dark comedy i can see that it's dark (laughs) given the topic Mm -hmm. it's harder for me to see the comedy so tell me in what ways you've been able to find humor and exploring this bystander effect right yeah it's like oh my god somebody's dying in every season um no it's the wittiness it's it's the the zaniness of these storylines and these characters and there are a lot of character actors in especially in the first season there's some pretty fun characters who um bring humanity to it Mm -hmm. and just bring that you know, like Drop Dead Gorgeous, like how some of those characters are just a little over the top and like, but also really believable because we know people like that from our day-to-day lives. Like you just can't believe people like that exist in the world. Well, that's the bystanders is you just have these characters that the writers in season one, and then I got to be a part of the writing, writing season in season two, we just had to hash out exactly who these characters are and their quirks, if they have a stutter, you know, why they they are who they are. Um, and then once we hired these actors, so Kathleen Turner and Luke Cook and Margaret Cho, Beth Dover, Jolo Trulio, all these actors in season two, um, these are all just hysterical actors on their own. We have Jane Lynch as well. So like these people know what the f- they're doing and they can <laughs> I think, I think we may I think we may have added out that and... word for NPR, by the way, but that's okay. Keep going. Oh shoot. <laughs> it's okay. okay. <laughs> it's it's for dramatic effect. It's for right, dramatic right, effect. Right, right. So just I mean, these actors brought our characters to life. Um, and I think I think that's what makes it, you know, like that's what makes it mm. the comedy. The subject matter is dark, but the zaniness of the characters and the situations, especially season two, are setting and the storyline is so much zanier than season one. Um, we basically have a crazed captor who is trying to teach these bystanders a lesson um, in the weirdest way in a toy house. So I, there's like some saw mixed in there. Um, I, I don't think it's hard to use your imagination. It really is just like a wild, fun experience. So uh when you were talking about the Genovese case, one of the things you said was, you know, it's happened in a fast paced city. And one of the things in, in, in my prep for talking to you that I found was uh, uh, some social sci- psychologists have argued that the, the culture of a particular area uh, or a particular group has a big effect on whether others will intervene to yeah. help a stranger. Um, what do you think about that? I mean, is it, do you, do, do you think maybe this, 
kind of things less likely to happen in a small town where people know each other? Uh, what's your sense of that? Well, um, I feel like you just brought up a really great premise for season three. And I'm oh. going to steal it from you because <laughs> I free. don't even think we discussed that. Like the idea that a certain demographic or a certain yeah, like group of people could decide the fate of somebody else. Um, and I, you know, like with so many serial killers, I feel like it happens in smaller towns rather than bigger towns, right? Like, mm. so for me, I never even thought about it that way. Um, and I really like your point. That oh, great. was that was very great. I loved it. So thank you for making a point that I didn't even think about. Well, bring me on as a contributing writer. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Uh, you're listening to the Campbell Conversations on WRVO Public Media. I'm Grant Reher, and I'm talking with Heather Morris, the actor, dancer, writer, and producer, best known for her role as Brittany on the TV show Glee. And we've been discussing her newer work as executive producer and writer for the podcast titled The Bystanders. Uh, Heather, you mentioned before in the first half when we were talking about people who do get involved, often paying a price. Uh, for that in one way or another, getting in trouble. And there was one very prominent um, recent example of that. Uh, it happened last May in New York City. It was the killing of Jordan Neely. He was a homeless man who was harassing and threatening other riders on the subway. And then this Marine veteran, Daniel Penny, intervened and he and he put him in a chokehold which ultimately resulted in his death and that incident split the city and also the nation became this national story in in people's reaction to it some arguing and protesting that that penny should have been immediately arrested and charged others supporting penny for trying to help ultimately he was charged with manslaughter and as of the time we're talking he's pled not guilty I don't know if you followed that or not, or if you have any no. particular thoughts on that issue. Okay. This is the first it, it happened time in New York this, City, so, you're so hearing it may genuine not... reactions. Yeah, yeah. It seems like you're pretty shocked about it. Yeah, so, you know, I mean, it just kind of underlines your point about, you know, people who do get involved. And his argument was, I was just trying to stop the guy. I wasn't intending to kill him. And, and, uh, and he, so anyway, but, well, we can move on from that one. Let me, let me sort of, it gets to this bigger question I really want to ask you to reflect yeah. on, which is, and you already kind of talked about it, but this bystander effect and the discussion of it, it raises these really deep questions about what our moral obligations are to each other as human beings. And 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 the this this Neely Penny incident, you know, puts that question in terms of how far those obligations extend. What are the boundary lines for how much we should or shouldn't get involved? And I know that's a huge question, but you know, what do you, what do you make of this at this point? I mean, what, what do strangers owe to each other as fellow human beings? Mm, wow. Such like a, oh, such a moment, such a deep question, deep rooted <laughs> question. You know, like I, I watch so much law and order SVU and I try to pretend like I'm in those courtrooms because I'm like, there's just so many sides to a story. And I think people feel entitled to a lot of opinion, which is great. It's great to have opinion, but I think, 
I think what we lack as a humanity, and I've heard people say this, you know, often, especially with social media, how it heightens it, is I think people are lacking the ability to hear and reason with the other side, like in a really, you know, in a complimentary way, like genuinely listening, understanding, taking either mental notes, or if you need like a notepad to write it down and reflect. Um, And also like, there is something to taking a moment, digesting, not reacting right away. Um, Some may say in my family, like my children, they're like, why aren't you, why aren't you saying anything? Why aren't you talking? And I'm like, I just have to digest what's happening. And yes, it's always good to like act, react, help in any way. Um, But I also think there's something to, you know, like digesting information, like what we just heard um, about this Marine. And he was trying to save, there's two sides. Absolutely. He was trying to save some some people because this homeless man was putting them in a in an unsafe scenario and his intention was not to kill he did not go on that train that day and say i'm gonna kill somebody like it's just wild um so i think if i if i make a point here it's just that people need to hear both sides and weigh them for what they are the reality of it right like the reality the dire situation of what you're looking at from all different sides political humanitarian, you know? Anyways. Well, you're you're reading my mind about where I was going to go with this because you just went there. But the question I wanted to ask you as a follow-up is, is I wonder how the recent trend in social movements and conversations about different kinds of identity affect the views related to this. Because on the one hand, we could say the recent trend in emphasizing different identities might help raise awareness of need and trauma and unfair exclusions. But on the other hand, they may also underline our differences from each other and make us feel like we are more separate from each other. I mean, you mentioned the political divisions just a second ago, for instance. And I have to admit, as I wrestle through this, I'm I'm torn on this question sometimes about, <laughs> am I being told that I am different from someone else and separate, or am I being asked to empathize with somebody else for their situation. I don't know if you have any thoughts about thinking that through. It almost seemed like that's where you were going, that we need to take a moment and empathize. Absolutely. So I can try to touch on it slightly. I teach on a dance convention and we preach inclusion and diversity and, you know, equity. And I start all my classes out with, my name is Heather Morris. My pronouns are she, her. Um, if I misspeak on your pronouns, please let me know. I am not the fastest learner, but I would love to know your pronouns. I'm not great at names, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I think discussing gender identity and pronouns is not to point out our differences, but only to just understand each other right away. You know, like, mm. this is who I am and this is who I identify with. And a lot of times my kids come home from school and they share their deepest thoughts with me. You know, like the things that go on in their mind that they're never going to say out loud but they'll point out somebody that they see that, you know, may have just transitioned or was a man and is now a female. And they'll say to me on the side, like, I I can't tell, is that a man or a woman? And I, you know, as, as calmly and as kindly as I can, I just say, does it really matter? 
if he's not going to disclose and if she's not going to disclose her pronouns right away, it doesn't matter. But if this is important to that person and they disclose their pronouns because I misspoke on your pronouns, then it's obviously important to them. Case closed. Move on. Like mm. accept it for what it is and just move. doesn't need to be a thing. And that's I think that's the point that we're trying to make is like anybody with um, gender identity. Like they're disclosing to you. I think they just want to tell you and they just want to move on. And it's not to say I'm different. It's just that like, this is how I identify and that's it. Mm -hmm. You know, I think there's a lot of wisdom in that. If you just joined us, you're listening to the Campbell conversations on WRVO public media. And my guest is Heather Morris. So in this last section, I want to lighten things up a little bit. I asked you a couple of heavy questions there, but, (laughs) and if you don't mind, I'd like to go back to your time with Glee, if I could and ask Mm -hmm. a question about that. I have two very good friends who teach at Skidmore College, and they are huge fans of musicals and for whom to quote one of them, Glee was appointment viewing. They're insanely envious of me right now, by the way. Uh, So tell me a couple things about doing the show and making the show that these two devotees wouldn't know and would find interesting. Oh, man, these are questions sometimes I wish I... I um, have in advance because then I can like Uh, think about, you know, like what, what don't you know about, about everybody there? Um, geez, man. I feel like everybody knows everything (laughs) at this point. Like what, (laughs) I don't know what else I can share with you that like people wouldn't know. I mean, we had a blast. It was an incredible experience. It was not only, amazing show and a great experience but it was one of the hardest things to do in the entire world and it it, you know it it taught every single one of us on that set a whole bunch about a lot of things um you know because it's not like a regular show it's a cool show so there's like singing and dancing and like theater is live right you're on stage and you're performing and your beats hit right away but like what happens when you have to roll the camera 15 times on a dance take right like we're all drained and tired and so I want to I want to highlight like it's like life like there's always amazing things but sometimes it's really tough and Mm. um and and not in a negative way it's just some it was it was hard it was an hour-long show um there was 22 episodes a season singing dance rehearsals um we had a blast um we were young we were partying together um we just we became a family like in the best Mm. way um i I, I get i hope that helps them feel more included i don't know like (laughs) how else i could i don't have any dirty deep dark secrets man like yeah all right. A lot of naps. Okay, a lot of naps. There were a lot of naps <laughs> in the hallway. <laughs> and this goes back to thinking about the transition for something like Glee to a podcast like The Bystanders. But if I understand your career correctly, it's visual. You know, you're a dancer, you're an actor. Now you're doing this thing where people are only hearing it. Yeah. Right? So how does that change how you think about what you're doing there, the creative process? Because you have to, as you said, it's like a 1940s radio program. So there must be some kind of piece of this. It's easy for me because it's just, this has always been a radio program. I've never had to think of it as anything else. So uh, what kind of transitions did you have to make? 
So like as a writer, um, I, I was not involved in the writing process, but I was involved like heavily on just editing the, the um, scripts we would get, the final scripts and just going through like audio cues and stuff like that because it's not like TV. Okay, TV is do, don't show, right? Like it's all in your performance and the simplicity of it um, because you're watching it. And so everything is visual. You You don't even hear how somebody feels but you can see it and so turning that into like an audio drama it completely changes all your audio cues and then the fun of it is like adding in quirks for characters so we can differentiate between one character and another one character wears bangles on her wrist so we know when dr jane is talking and another character um squeaks her shoes like there's just so many things that you can give the audience along with the musical score because the musical score obviously guides us emotionally and also did help with like the showing of the scene like sometimes you hear a dun 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 right which was always fun to do um but uh, my point a lot of times when when we were getting into the directing and stuff was in, in a lot of podcasts and I won't name any it feels like you talk, I talk, you talk, I talk, you talk, I talk. And I did not want that. <clears throat> Even though we were recording separately and a lot of people, the only people we had this season recording together were Beth Dover and Jill Trulio because they are a couple. They oh. are married in real life. So they got to record together and we got to use that, which was super fun. But I wanted it to feel like everybody was in that same room. That was our biggest challenge and feeling like it was a full scene as if it was really happening. So that was quite a challenge and really fun to do audio wise. Mm. Well, we've only got about uh, half a minute left. I want to squeeze one last quick question in, and that's just what other things are you working on at present other than the podcast? I mean, what 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 are we going to see from Heather Morris in the future or here? Oh, um, a couple secret projects, which are very exciting for me. Um, I'm on a journey to becoming a singer once again. I yeah. Like, I have just tried to push myself within these last two years, like I never have. And that is singing. I dropped singing when I was young. My dad passed away. And it was one of those things that, like, I love so much, but um, the loss of my dad just took me. And I lost singing. And so now I'm like, find that joy again, Heather. Go out and get it. So I'm, like, doing vocal lessons. And for no other reason than just to be whole, I guess. Like, very cheesy. But... Um, there's that. And then there's the strike, which is trash and it sucks. And I want the AMPTP to get their crap together, but, um, hustling, man, I'm teaching some wine and heels classes to some adults so that we can be sexy and also drink and feel empowered. Um, I know the partners at home love it when they come home after they've taken my class. So yeah, just, just hustling, you know? That's great. We'll leave it there. And that was Heather Morris. And again, the podcast that she's producing and writing for is called The Bystanders. Heather, thanks so much for taking the time to speak with me. It's been interesting and it's also been great fun. So thank you. Thank you so much. You've been listening to the Campbell Conversations on WRVO Public Media, conversations in the public interest. The Campbell Conversations, Conversations in the Public Interest is hosted and produced by Grant Reher, engineered by Tom Fazio. Assistant producer is Jacqueline Witwicky, and the program is edited by Mark Lefonier. 
The Campbell Conversations is a joint production of the Campbell Public Affairs Institute at Syracuse University and WRBO Public Media. To learn more about the program and hear previous interviews, visit wrbo.org slash Campbell Conversations.